Welcome to Unstable, a relatable mental health podcast. Here we aim to deconstruct mainstream narratives about what it means to be well and talk about our shitty feelings, all in the hopes of finding some moments of healing or at the very least, someone to relate to. Hey everyone, it's Rachel coming at you from Clinket Ani, otherwise known as Juno, Alaska, um, with the Unstable Podcast. Before we get going on today's topic um, that I'm very excited about and very uh, unknowledgeable, <laughs> uninformed about, um, I'm going to do a quick swear jar update. We didn't swear very much last episode only five times. So now we're at $29 uh, for donating to the glory hall. And other than that, I just wanted to give a general announcement that, you know, sometimes we reference stuff in the show, like acronyms and organizations and concepts and stuff that maybe not everyone's familiar with, especially if you're not living in Juno. Um, so obviously Google exists and you can just Google it. Or I would be more than happy to answer any questions or clear anything up if you just send an email to unstablepod at gmail.com. Um, and that's all I have for that. So we get to jump in with our wonderful conversation about parenting and mental health and being quote unquote well while also taking care of more than just yourself. Um, and we are talking with Emily Coat Thompson today. I'm very excited. I haven't seen her in a long time. And now she's sitting across from me, masked, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, so obviously it's me, Rachel. Oh, I clapped. Sorry. Um, it's me, Rachel, uh, the ghostly pale little redhead from Massachusetts, now living in Juneau. Um, I realized that I haven't really told y'all that much about me aside from like that and that I have mental health issues. So... I'm also a queer woman. I'm obviously a white woman because um, I that was my fun way of saying it when I was saying ghostly pale. Um, that I mean, those are my biggest identities, I would say. Um, and then, Emily, do you want to kind of tell people a little bit about you and what you are all about? <laughs> sure, yeah. My name is Emily Thompson, and... I um, am originally from the Midwest. I'm also pale. So we have it's that true. in common. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking about like, oh, gee, how would I describe myself to people who can't see me? And, you know, it's funny what came to mind is like, I have freckles. But then I realized in Juno in the winter, I don't actually have freckles. <laughs> but if the sun ever does come back, then I actually do have a lot of freckles. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I uh, have lived up here in Alaska since uh, 2005. And I am the mother of a eight-year-old, almost eight-year-old, and a four-year-old. And I work for AEYC, the Association for the Education of Young Children, doing the Parents as Teachers program. And what a beautiful program it is. Mm -hmm. A fun fact, Emily and I know each other because I was the AmeriCorps stationed at AEYC back in, I think, 2018. That sounds no. right. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 24 now. I'm old. Well, thank you, Emily, uh, for that beautiful introduction. Um, I So before we start, I always ask a fun question, like I said. Um, and so today, I'm going to ask you, what were your favorite TV shows from childhood? Ooh, favorite TV shows from childhood. Well, we didn't actually get cable until I was in high school. Great. Okay. Yeah. But definitely Sesame Street. I loved Sesame Street. I was like a Sesame Street junkie. And right after that was always Pee-wee's um, Pee Playhouse. I know what that is. I've never yeah. seen it. Well, but... we weren't allowed to watch it. So what I remember <laughs> about it is it would automatically start up. And my sister and I would spend the whole time anxiously looking over our shoulder because we knew our mom was going to bust us. <laughs> and so I don't remember actually ever watching any of it. But I remember that part about it, like just the excitement of like we were about to be busted at any point. <laughs> and like as soon as Sesame Street was done, she was like, out you go. And we would play outside. So I loved Sesame Street for sure. Wonderful. <laughs> Mine were definitely 
I guess I I thought of childhood as like a little older because I also loved <laughs> Sesame Street. Um, but like SpongeBob, I watched religiously. Um, and Scooby Doo, I'm such a I'm still a fan. I will watch any Scooby Doo anything to this day. Um, <laughs> wow. All right. So the topic we have today is one you have. You work with parents. You are a parent. You have parents. Wow. I do. Yes. So, the so much. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I know what, what I know about kids is what I like know from work and I adore them and I think they're wicked cool and uh, like we should take care of them and love them and, you know, do what's good for them. But I have no maternal instinct whatsoever. So I'm really <laughs> interested to hear the perspective like of a parent on staying sane and parenting. Um, well, I'll attempt to speak to that, but it- <laughs> great, great. You know, I'm sure it's a process. <laughs> it's a process. We're all just doing the best we can. Um, so I guess we'll start kind of like you based and then we'll go into, you know, greater, bigger picture. Um, so just, question from me how do you take care of yourself in addition to at least one whole other human especially when like the dominant wellness narratives kind of inherently whether explicitly stated or not like require stress some sort of routine and like you can't necessarily do that with kids right yeah i think that well i think there's a couple of things And it's shifted for me a lot, like, Mm -hmm. you know, what I thought parenthood would be and what it actually was are two very different things, which (laughs) always kind of shocked me because, like, I I grew up knowing I wanted kids. I'm a middle child out of four. I routinely, like, you know, had kittens to care for. I loved my dolls. You know, it was like I wanted to be a mom. And then I had my first child and I was like, oh, holy shit, what have I done? <laughs> like, this is, this is super intense. I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And I have a master's in early childhood. So I was like, I, you know, <laughs> like, going into this. it, I was like, I've got this. I'll be totally fine. So I would say that, you know, uh, it's really changed for me over the years of like what it means to, you know, keep myself a whole human being and also try to nurture these other little creatures into being whole mm-hmm. human beings. And I think that... Um, For me personally, like I know that I'm a much happier person when I can get regular exercise. I also really love a lot of sleep. So I've had to choose between the two. (laughs) So like right now I'm, you know, I'm lucky enough that my husband, my partner is able to, you know, I get up at 530 and walk the neighborhood and he's still asleep and there with the kids. And so that works out and finding that balance of building in some routines just for me to keep me sane you know, has been really good. But I think the biggest one has been like, as the kids have gotten older, and, and I've really struggled with like, oh, crap, they're moving out of early childhood, which is like my niche, right? I love children under the age of five. And I was always very clear that children over the age of five, take them or leave them. But now I have these children that are like, leaving early childhood, and they're becoming, you know, five and above. And it's been really tough to kind of like figure that piece out. But I think for me, a lot of it is like, recognizing that, you know, I remind myself, like, I'm doing the very best that I can mm-hmm. and and trying to keep it moving forward that way and thinking about, you know, what what's something I can do to make them feel like a good human being, like a whole human being? How do I want someone to speak to me? How do I want to speak to them? Trying to keep that all in mind. <laughs> and then having the grace of I love that one of the things that I've really come across in my work is just, you know, that as a parent, like it is it is totally OK when you've fallen short in one area to say Oh man, but I just I just snapped and I'm so I'm sorry. You know, yeah. I, I lost my cool there. And that wasn't about you, that was about me. And that has been like such a transitional point, especially with my son, my eight-year-old, of like, yeah. you know, owning up, basically. Yeah, and I feel like that's not some like that's not in I mean, it should be intuitive to parenting in my mind, but like it's not because you I feel like obviously parents want their kids to assume that they like know what they're doing all the time. So they feel safe, but really what could probably help them feel safer is if they realize like, you're not going to be a hundred percent all the time and that's okay. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm also not a hundred percent all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, how many people have memories of their parents actually saying like, Oh man, I just, I just, 
biffed that up. You know, yeah. like I, I responded in a way that wasn't kind there. You know, I just snapped at you, but that wasn't you. That was me. Yeah. And I think that it sends a powerful message of like, what do you do when you make a mistake? Because we're all human beings. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw up. You know, you're going to say something that you didn't mean or you're going to respond in a way that you weren't anticipating. And then what do you do with that? Like, mm -hmm. do you just let it sit and fester and damage the relationship? Or do you own up and say, that was on me. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then what's really lovely, it's like, it gives them permission to do the same thing. <clears throat> yeah, I also think re remembering that children, like young kids are like more intuitive than we think they are. And they like know more of what's going on is always interesting to think about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially like the younger the child, the less the language the more they're really just watching our bodies. Yeah. They're little body language reading masters. <laughs> they have to be, you know. So it's like respect it, own it. Um, well, cool. What a, what a wonderful way to start off the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I'm just freaking out. I'm so happy. Um, so I guess obviously this past year has been <laughs> like making parenting even harder <laughs> when it was probably already very hard. Um, so <laughs> I have written down past year, yikes, um, on a personal <laughs> level, like what did you do to stay afloat? Oh man. Well, I think, I think early on it was a lot of just like, just, uh, I don't know, a feeling of drowning, treading water, <laughs> like, oh my God, what are we doing? What's happening? You know? And, and feeling like um, just a major colliding of worlds. I like to keep things a little bit more separate. Mm -hmm. I, you know, previously it was like I had I had school for my kiddos. I had childcare lined up for my youngest. I could work my work, and then I could be home. And when I was home, I was home. Mm -hmm. And then having everything smash all together, super difficult. You know, like it's like oh my god, I'm supposed to be supposed to be focusing on work right now and I want my work brain turned on but now my mom brain is also turned on because yeah. somebody's crying about lunch or you know there's something else going on right in the next room next to me and so I think that early on I got really really overwhelmed and stressed and then had to kind of like bring it back to like what is feasible what can I do you know what can we do as a family and my husband and I just sitting down each night being like, what does your day look like tomorrow? When do you need to be in the back room, which was our guest room, which quickly became the office? <laughs> you know, when do you need this time? When do I need this time? We made a schedule for the door. So just like kind of redistributing realities and and pretty early on said, okay, this isn't working for one of us to be in like work mode, sitting at the dining room table. Yeah. Like our, our kids don't understand that, you know, yeah. it's too hard to physically be present and emotionally be unavailable mm -hmm. for the three-year-old, for sure. <laughs> you know, like, but I see you, so you right. should be available to <laughs> <Right>. me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really starting to see too, like, well, she still does this. Like today, she actually came to the door while I was working from home and uh, knocked on the door to tell me that she was unavailable for the next few hours because she had very many meetings and she was going to be working. And she wished she could play with me, but she couldn't because she had, like, two meetings. Oh I was like, God. snap. <laughs> and you're like, girl, get it. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> so I think early on, like, trying to clean it up that way, kind of, like, define, like, who is working, who is not. Mm -hmm. Because it was a great opportunity to, like, reframe, like, dude, raising our kids, that's also working. Like, yeah. that in itself is a job. And I think that was something that was really difficult of, like... We have your job, we have my job, and we have the job of keeping our children alive and sane. Mm -hmm. And then P.S., the stress that we're feeling, they're also feeling because yeah. they feed off of us. Like, we regulate them. So it's like how we feel about the situation is the cues that they're taking, too. So there was a lot of just flailing <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> I feel like we kind of got a good rhythm by the summer. I don't know. By the fall? No, probably by the summer was better. Today was good. Today was okay. <laughs> <laughs> one year in jeez <laughs> oh, oh my god wow yeah i the whole pandemic i've just been thinking i'm so happy like never have i been more happy and feeling lucky to not be a parent and also not be in school like i couldn't i no i couldn't imagine functioning on those levels as well as like a basic human level right now yeah yeah i'll also say we watched a lot more tv we previously, pre, pre COVID, we were kind of like a like screen time minimum sort of family, you know, for the kiddos. Yeah. Um, 
And then they, yeah, they were like, COVID is the best thing ever because they're like, <laughs> they're like hey, we love TV. <laughs> you know what? Daddy and I both have a meeting. How about another episode of Daniel Tiger, huh? You like, you like that? <laughs> so we we relaxed a lot of our parenting values yeah. around some of those things. And yeah, and it was just like, again, no, I feel like parenting has made me into a less rigid person, <laughs> perhaps. You know, I used to really like, this is how it is and that's it. And my husband and I always used to joke because he would say, if plan A doesn't work, you go to plan B. If plan B doesn't work, you go to plan C. If plan C doesn't work, you go to plan D. And I was like, dude, you should never go past plan B. Like, if you do your job right, it's plan A or plan B, the end. And I think parenting has taught me, like, no, it's time to pivot again. Well, also, like, sometimes there's no plan. And you there's- just, like, oh, I didn't plan anything for this. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Oh, God. That, see, that in and of itself is why I don't think I could ever have a child. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> Um, so going off of, I know you talked about, um, you and your husband seeming to have like very good communication, kudos. Um, that's hard (laughs) just with people in general. Oh yeah. Um, so especially in a high stress situation, I would imagine very hard. Um, but I've been seeing kind of more and more articles about how the pandemic has shown us that like for all this progress we thought we were making with like getting away from traditional gender roles of the woman is the one that takes care of the kids and the man's the one that works. Um, You know, more and more women are leaving the workforce and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to know how did that, I mean, obviously both of you were able to keep working, but how did you see that play out kind of in your life? Did you have any, tough moments of like hey listen (laughs) or like do you know anyone that had kind of those tough awakenings oh man so many (laughs) so many um for on both fronts like did we have it absolutely do i know people that have it absolutely (laughs) um yeah no i think that um well i will say that so i i'm lucky in the fact that like a i have a partner to help myself to help me out because mm-hmm. like holy crap single parents out there like 110 percent, my heart just goes out because it's like so hard mm-hmm. and you need a break sometimes you need to just be like i need 15 minutes to myself just to feel like a whole human being again yeah. you know i need to like i need to tap out here um but my husband's a seasonal worker so it's kind of like we really struggled through the summer and the spring and the fall and then, um, you know, he was laid off for the winter. So mm-hmm. then it was fantastic. I was like, woohoo, 100% <laughs> me. I get to work. You're home with the kids. And that's been our that's been our seasonal pattern. And I, I love it, actually, because I feel like it kind of evens the playing field. It like it reminds it reminds both of us what it's what it means to be at home and be the parent uh-huh. on, you know, on par. Like I I love the story of like when I had my first son. And had really bad postpartum anxiety and this depression, everything after him. And I remember my husband coming home and we had him in the summer. So that was his busy season, right? Mm -hmm. And he came home one day and he said, you know, what'd you do today? And I was like, I sat on the couch and cried. (laughs) like nursed the baby. That was it. And he was like, oh, man, you got to get up. You can't just do that. And I was like, you have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) You know, like vicious woman. And um, it was about four months in when I left for four hours and left the baby home with him and I came back after four hours and I was like how did it go and he's like I couldn't even take a shit like this is crazy you know (laughs) and I was like yes thank you that's right you know and it was like such an affirming thing that I'm a big fan of seasonal work because it's like the fact that he gets to be sort of the parent like on board Mm -hmm. half the year I think really like highlights for both of us keeps it really honest what's being asked when you're trying to work and you're doing this thing yeah this thing as of raising our children. So I think, yeah, we had to have definitely a lot of tough conversations about it. And and then the other piece is like sometimes as women, like we become the gatekeepers where we're kind of like, look, I know how to do this better than you. So <laughs> I want you to do more, but I'd really like you to do it exactly how I do it. <laughs> so if you can't do that, you need to just like step off. Yeah, if and you like, can't do it, it's going to stress me out more. Exactly. And- <laughs> like, why is the baby still crying with you? If it would have been me, I would have had this shit taken care of in five minutes flat, you know, but like. What's not fair is like men and women parent differently. We mm-hmm. do things differently with our kids. Like all the brain research and everything points to like the variety is good. It's good mm-hmm. for kids to have the different types of parenting. Um, but it's really hard. Like for me, like it was really hard for me to step back and be like, 
oh, you've got this, mm-hmm. you know, and then the pandemic made that really difficult because A, I'm not at the office anymore. I can't just like step out and be like, peace out. Good luck. <laughs> like, hope everyone makes it through the day, which yeah. they do. Like my husband's a fantastic father. So, um, but it, I think that part is really difficult. And I think that's been hard with the pandemic is like, yeah, it, it feels like a lot more have fallen on women because I don't know, because we get shit done, you know? So it's like, <laughs> and not that men don't either also, but you know, like women, it's just like, that's sort of our, we just, we just jump in there. A lot of times moms are like, I know how to do this. And if, just let me do it. I can do it faster. Well, and I also feel like a lot of time women, like we are, traditionally conditioned to like you need to keep the peace yeah so it's like oh my god let me jump in and fix everything so everyone's okay right now yes um i had to remind myself a lot and this has happened when a kid would get sick right and he yeah. had, like my husband and i both have meetings this day oh shit who's gonna stay home with the kid do i have to pay the swear jar do you guys pay this we pay the shirt oh, yeah goodness. don't worry about I it, it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> um you know i had i would have to remind myself like this it's both of our children like why is it assumed that i will take the day off 50 yeah. percent of this dna is from you buddy so yeah. like let's renegotiate this but i needed to kind of give myself that pep talk of like mm-hmm. i do not have to hold this all like if i'm doing this right this is a partnership mm-hmm. you know i need to le- give space to have a partner mm-hmm. but i think that that gets really hard yeah obviously also too to the listeners like this conversation is going to be super hetero couple based and sorry, like we were like, (laughs) I don't have a partner and I don't have children, so I can't offer a queer perspective. And Emily, I guess I'm assuming you're straight. So I am. Yeah. Straight. Uh, We will, as we continue, try to find more diverse, you know, partner discussions to include other folks uh, dynamics. Cause obviously those exist. Um, but this, I, I like listening about your dynamic. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess one thing you've been talking about a lot is like the whole person. So just kind of what I just like, what do you think that effect? And I mean, you're, you're a mother. Um, the effect of like having that assumption put on you that like, oh, you're the one that's going to take the day off. You're the one that's going to you're the one that has to keep the peace. Like how much of it, like does, how much does it affect outside of just parenting? Cause obviously like our economic prospects are less and all that jazz. So just, do you ever think about that? <laughs> do you oh. ever- <laughs> <laughs> there was actually, there's one memorable sort of like tiff that we had after I just listened to this NPR story about how they were talking about like, this is like the, um, you know, like men leaving the workforce and then women leaving the workforce and how like 70% of women are not returning to the workforce. Mm -hmm. And I was like so pissed about that and came home and dinner had not yet been started. And I was like, what the hell, man? Like, I just worked a 10 hour day. You know, I was really angry. And, uh, And my husband very astutely picked up on like, whoa, What's going on? And I was just like, you have no idea. Yeah, like, NPR like, has unleashed. fired me up. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard this NPR talk and this is what they said. And and just like, yeah, you know, I I mean, I, I do think about that a lot. And I think that um, I think that like how you're raised and what you saw growing up plays a lot into, I think, a lot of the messages. And like I said, I'm from a small rural community in the Midwest where literally like the men sit at the table and the women just hang out in the kitchen and eat from the counter that way you know Mm -hmm. um if you had like a bunch of people all together so you know very different type of dynamic than kind of what i'm looking for Mm -hmm. um and i think that for me personally like you know working through some of that and figuring out what do i want what does that look like how do i ask for that Mm -hmm. those are all very different things you know being able to kind of I don't know if that answers your question I, I mean it was all beautifully said so. <laughs> <laughs> kind of lost the thread halfway through there sorry I, that's kind of what I've learned is podcasting is just you talking and forgetting why you're talking and you're mm-hmm. like I'm just gonna try to say something meaningful <laughs> and most of the time it works pretty well so you're doing a great job uh, uh, so obviously that was kind of your personal life um thanks for sharing um but all of this kind ties into your work um and you were able to stay working during the pandemic and had a lot of interaction with 
a lot of diverse families and different dynamics and house structures and all that. So can you kind of talk a little bit about what you do first, and then we'll kind of get into questions about other stuff. Sure. Yeah. So I manage the Parents as Teachers program, which is a free home visiting program that's in all 50 states. It's been around since the 80s. And here in Juneau, we're super lucky that it's open enrollment. So it's like anybody who is pregnant all the way up to their child being three years of age, they're eligible to enroll. And they get hooked up with like a home visitor who then visits um, anywhere from once to twice a month um, for up to three years. Mm -hmm. And they can, you know, it's like a partnership. And so it's like our primary objective is just building relationships with parents and recognizing that, look, if we provide more support to people as they're trying to do this really difficult thing, which is, you know, keep their child alive and turn them into like a, a lovely human being. Yeah. Then it's better for everybody. And so, um, you know, we help parents think about things. Um, I love the fact that it's linking a lot of behavior to development. So if you understand why your two-year-old is suddenly like, you know, a little Tasmanian devil, <laughs> which was last week a lovely, charming toddler and is now not or is a very independent. Yeah, like, what happened to you? <laughs> yeah, if you understand like, oh, man, my child's primary developmental goal right now is to like separate themselves from me yeah. and the easiest way to do that is to say no to everything mm-hmm. they're not actually this deviant they just want to separate themselves yeah. you know well then we can hang with it so much better so the program's about linking up development to behavior and then helping parents like really think through and reflect on you know who they are as parents what they what they like about their parenting journey what they might want to change stuff like that um well and one thing that you've mentioned to me in conversations that kind of blew my mind and like when you think about it it makes sense but because you just said reflect so you've said that like self-reflection is the most like important skill a parent can have which feels so counterintuitive because you'd think like a, a skill that directly relates to the child would probably be the most useful skill but can you talk a little bit about like why that is and kind of how you practice it or how your program helps promote practicing it and stuff like that yeah totally yeah i think that if you think about like so you've got this little tiny baby right if you start at the beginning and this baby everything in their survival depends on you which is no pressure. Totally overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's amazing any of us make it past infancy. But really, um, yeah, this baby is regulating with you, right? He or she is is thinking about, you know, how you feel and then mimicking those feelings. And they, they can't regulate their own emotions. So if a baby gets really, you know, scared or upset, they don't even have the language yet to be able to say, oh, I'm upset because that dog just barked. It's Mm -hmm. just like something just rocked my world. (laughs) And what they need is they need the parent to then step in and be like, let me hold you tight. Let me, let me help you make sense of this and regulate. That's what we mean by regulate and co-regulation. And so, you know, if you aren't in touch with what's happening for you, then your kiddo regulates to that as well. Mm -hmm. They regulate to the chaos and so that's why I think like self-reflection is such a huge piece that there's there's so many minutes throughout the day that our minds are pulled in like 50 bajillion different <laughs> directions. And um, especially with like cell phones and things, it's so easy for us to step outside our reality and be like, I'm just going to mindlessly scroll on Facebook here. Mm-hmm. That in itself is is not the problem. But if you don't kind of examine like, why did I just want to step outside myself in that moment? You know, what's happening right now that I don't want to be in my real reality? Like, that's what's damaging to relationships. And so I think that, um, you know, being able to have that ability to kind of like stop and ponder and just think about what's happening for me right now, mm-hmm. then you can relate to everyone else around you a little bit better. You're more open and present. That's kind of what I would say about that. <laughs> Way more easier said than done. I'd also like to put out a big shout out that um, you only have to do this. All the research points to this. You only have to be good enough. Like if you can just, you know, research has looked at like dynamics between parents and children. And if you can match with your child 30% of the time, that's enough. That's good enough. So 70% of the time you can, you know, mismatch where you're just like (laughs) i think you wanted this and i offered you that and that wasn't it at all you know exactly 
you're still okay. If 30% of the time your kiddo can put something out to you and you're like, oh, boom, you're sad. What can I do with your sad? Yeah. Can I say, do you need a hug? You know, like, can I read that and accept it and let you know that, like, I love you as you are? That's mm. that's what they're looking for. So. Wow, that makes it that makes it seem a little less daunting. Oh yeah, totally. That's, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> um, one something. Uh, I mean, I would assume as you are parenting, you start reflecting on how you were parented, and this has always fascinated me because even as I've grown up. I've seen how obviously like the way I was parented and observing my parents has like carried to me. Like I grew up in a house where my parents don't have any coping skills. I adore them. They are my dearest friends on this earth, but like they can't handle stress in (laughs) in a healthy way. They can handle it, but it's not healthy for anyone in the home that they are in. Um, And so that's something that I've been actively trying to, like, deconstruct in my own life. So I guess, have you ever had moments where you're like, fuck, I'm doing that thing that I hated that my parents did? Or have you worked with parents who have kind of been like, well, I was parented this way and I don't want to do that, but I keep finding myself doing that. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like. Literally, you know, it's like you put the CD in, you just press play, and then you, like, hear the words of the past coming like, no, 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 through no, no, no. your mouth. And you're like, oh, my God. And and I think that, yeah, I think that a lot of times it's like, well, I know what was done to me, and I don't want to do it. And mm-hmm. then we just, without conscious choice, we just do it, right? And that's because, like, so much of what we understand about what it means to be a human being and what we do with the emotions that we feel, we're taught very young in age. Yeah. This is a slightly horrifying effect, but um, children by 10 months of age can pick up which emotions you're comfortable with and which ones you're not. Oh, wow. And they will start. mind readers. They are. They're so smart. They'll start avoiding the emotions that you're not comfortable with to protect you because they need you to be okay for their survival. Oh, my God. So it's just like, it's amazing to me. And when I learned that, like, you've got six core emotions, right? Oh, I should have written these down, but definitely joy, <laughs> anger, shame, sadness. And there's some other ones. <laughs> trying to think of other emotions. Curiosity. Oh, Curiosity is okay. on there. That's an emotion? It that is. makes sense, but yeah. I've never thought of that. Yeah. And so it's these six core emotions and we're all taught that some of them are okay and some of them are not. Mm-hmm. What happens if we teach our kids that like, all of them are okay, that it's okay to be angry. And trust me, I say this a lot in my house right now, particularly mm-hmm. with my feisty little four-year-old. It's okay to be angry. It's not okay to throw your shoes across the room. Like, yeah. and, and I have to tell myself that, like, it's okay for me to be angry. It's not okay for me to, to then decide. Take it out on my kid yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think that, um, you know, that realization and, and trying to think about how I was parented and why I was parented the way that I was, mm-hmm. And like, and really believing that my parents did the very best they could with what they had. Uh-huh. I have new information now and I want to <laughs> do better by my children. You know, I want to change what was done to me or with me. Mm-hmm. And I will put it right now that I'm a big fan of therapy. I think that like, wow. you know, like being able to pay somebody to listen to you ramble and think about things. Amazing. Like some of your friends are going to hang with it, but maybe not all of them and maybe they shouldn't. You know, but being able to have the space to really, like, think things through and be like, wow, what, yeah, how how was sadness handled in my house when I was younger? Mm-hmm. What was I taught about sadness? What was I taught about reaching out to somebody when I'm sad? Was that okay? Or was that, like, back was it, it just, up? like, suck it up? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a very long answer for that one. It was a great <laughs> answer. It's fascinating. Yeah. I... Also, it's just funny that you brought up therapy because our last episode was talking about how, like, therapy isn't always the answer, but, like, a lot of the times, damn, it works. Um, And Ty and I both also recently started therapy. So, yeah, it's just been so prominent in our lives. Yeah, I will say that um, I, you know, I feel like I loved it and hated it at the exact same time. Mm. Like, I'd look forward to it, like, 
I feel so much more clear. It's like me time. Yeah. Right. When I can talk about all this. But when I'm in the moment, like my everything in my being was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Stop telling the stranger. Don't, don't talk about this. We've been taught not to talk about any yeah. of this, you know? And so I think that what it does is it, it does give that space for that self-reflection, which is pretty mm-hmm. huge. It gives you a safe space to kind of poke around and explore some of these bits of yourself that maybe you look on Facebook instead of thinking about yeah. because that's what we've been taught. You know, that's what you do to protect yourself as you just tuck it all away. And I think nothing brings it out like parenting. I guarantee because when you're raising those kids, you're also raising the younger you at the same time. Oh my God. I'm getting fucked up right now. I can never have children. <laughs> it's like the matrix. No, it's not like that, but, but it is a little bit like that yeah. because, and that's what I think was so kooky to me. Like, you know, I wanted, I wanted these children desperately and um, I thought I would be so exuberant. And I think a lot of what society told me is like, if I wasn't 100% in love with my baby from day one and in love with being a mother, then I must be fucking it up. Yeah. But so many swears in this episode. I'm so happy about it. <laughs> I should have warned you before. No, it's, I love it. The glory hall is going to make so much money. Um, but the, the reality is that that being a parent is asking something very difficult of yourself because it's asking you to give up a lot of who you are in the beginning and then give selflessly to something else. And then you're also confronting like, how was I parented? Yeah. You know, when I cried, who held me? So it's this whole other like total mind warp that, you know, I think parents don't get half of the recognition that they need because it's, it's pretty huge. It feels like 18 additional jobs in addition to like being a human and having a job. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. I will say that like if people are on the fence out there and they're like, damn, maybe now I won't have kids. You should, you should really, I mean, don't, don't cross it off your list. <laughs> I do feel like after having kids, when people say I'm pregnant, I'm always like, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Congratulations. Yeah. Buckle up, buddy. <laughs> you should do that trip you've always wanted to do right now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a bucket list? But it, it. <laughs> you know, it's a life-changing experience. It changes. You never get to go back to who you were before. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm yeah. just saying, like, it's it's a ride. You know, it's a ride. Yeah. I think my, an interesting thing that I have seen, especially in, like, I'm very vocal with my parents about, like, I don't know if you're going to have grandkids. Sorry. And they're, like, I mean, a little bummed about it, but mostly fine. Because they're, like, we wouldn't want you to just have the kids for us right um but one interesting conversation we always have is like my parents will always say like our our, my proudest accomplishment is like my kids or you know when everything else has felt wrong like you know it's like we didn't get where we wanted to in our careers or we didn't end up where we thought we were going to end up but we always knew that we had like our kids that we loved and i'm like oh but and that's kind of terrifying to me because you're putting so much like love and pressure into these children mm-hmm. and i am lucky enough that again the relationship with my parents i can be like hey don't say that to me because it's freaking me out like it's making me feel like <laughs> i need to be like live up to something um and then they're always like but you already have and i'm like how <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's just the child parent dynamic is so weird and so cool but also such like it can either be great or it can be terrifying and like i don't why did the universe create such a dynamic (laughs) well and i think like it's always shifting and that's what we sometimes forget you know i always have to say and remind myself like these are rentals like these children do not belong to me if i'm doing my my job right then like every single day they're growing away from me you know they're they're getting to be more independent human beings that are I just really hope like me in the end. Like, I just want yeah. them to come home and visit, you know, like, I, I want yeah, my family to, dinner. Yeah, yeah. Like, not all the time, but sometimes, and you know, that's, that's the tricky part is like, but they're, they are, they're growing and they're changing. Oh, and so weird to think about too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I did not expect to have this many emotions about this topic of conversation, but I feel like someone's <laughs> sitting on my chest right now. Um, Okay. Um, at one point in that very long exchange we just had, we <laughs> you talked about um, how the narrative that new mothers get is like, if you're not completely in love with your baby, you, there's something wrong with you. Um, one 
thing that Ty and I were talking about before you came was like, what are the mainstream narratives that like parents get told? And like, what is what quote unquote should parents be doing according to like, because we were thinking, you know, the wellness industry tells us to like, do yoga, meditate, journal, exercise, eat well, like what do parents get told? Yeah. I think all those things. All those things? Okay. So the <laughs> well, parents in the wellness industry are one and the same. Well, I think that, like, I think that, so if you, like, look on, like, Facebook or Instagram or whatever, it's, uh-huh. like, it should all just be, like, lots of smiles and we built a sandcastle today or, oh, we had <laughs> peanut butter sandwich wedges, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like there's just, like, a lot of, like, performative, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, when it's, like, the reality is, like, great, you built a sandcastle. Let's be honest. Somebody totally peed their pants five seconds later. <laughs> and, like, some, uh, you know, a dog barked and someone else got chased. And, like, there's a reality that happened that that's not telling the full picture. Yeah. And so, and then I really felt like this at the beginning of the pandemic where it's, like, all these people posting, like, oh, we did watercolor Wednesdays today. And I'm, like, oh, come How on. How many of those are you going to do? Yeah, maybe that lasted for two minutes. Tell me about, like, the, like, meltdown Wednesday Then they started happened. painting the walls. Yeah, <laughs> like, let's be honest about what this looks like. And, and I think that. Yeah, I think that there's a big narrative definitely for like new moms that it's like you should be loving this. You should be glowing in this post baby basking. Oh my god. When the reality is it's like you just did this really horrific thing with your body. I mean, yeah. really amazing, but oftentimes like really hard and very unexpected. And then you're like left like drenched with all these crazy hormones uh-huh. and then I was going to say my mom had like horrific uh, yeah. postpartum depression oh yeah yeah it takes a while for your body to regulate and yeah. i will i will i can never forget like the first time i got a walk away because like i said like i'm a walker right yeah. this is how i this is how i regulate and sort and organize my entire life i go for long it's a meditative walks. time for yes. you yeah. yes i'd be like one of those walking monks that's all they do is just walk <laughs> You're like, that's I what i want to do later yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but my mother-in-law was in town and my first kiddo was about i don't know two weeks old or something and I was like can I just go down to like Sandy Beach we lived right down the way I'll just go for a quick walk and I remember driving away in the car and feeling like yes (laughs) I can leave him behind and then vicious disappointment because like I was nursing him and so within like 20 minutes my boobs were killing me and I'm like this is so evil that like Mm. I can't get away from this child without desperately needing to be right back with him yeah so I think that was like a a really long process of like oh this is okay too like I can love this little creature fiercely and at the same time like really mourn the loss of myself Mm -hmm. which I don't think is talked about enough you know so I think that the idea for what makes you a good parent out there is like you never lose your shit. Um, you know, your kids are always like dressed and clean they're and, in all fit, the and they're polite. They're in the yeah, yeah, your children should definitely be polite and that you know, a representation of who they are is is somehow reflecting back on who you are. Yeah. And I think that if we're more honest, it's like, dude, it's all a whole battles of like uphill climbs and downhill coasting. And uphill yeah. climbs and downhill coasting. And our children are their own unique people, and that's actually what we want, but then when we get it it's really hard to. And so it's like our children are going to fumble and sometimes they're going to be total assholes and we have to kind of like take a look and be like, what is happening in this moment for you? Or what are you trying to figure out? And just recognize that and own it and like respect it. They're people, you know, they're people. Yeah. Well, and the way you were just saying it almost sounds like parents are kind of taught that like their children, yeah, they're people, but they're also like status objects for them of like this, if this child fucks up, then you fucked up right or like if if your kid wins some award then you're the best too it's like you didn't win the award your kid did (laughs) right um that wow oh my god there's so much psychology here just too that i don't know anything about (laughs) (laughs) but emily does well i don't know about that i mean is this where i put in a plug a shameless plug about circle security yeah do it okay great (laughs) so a lot of what i really believe and love about parenting I've learned through Circle of Security Parenting class, um, which is based on like 50 years of attachment research, well, 50 plus years of attachment research. And um, there are a whole slew of us here in Juno that are trained in Circle of Security. Um, I offer courses quarterly. I actually just have one getting ready to start up. And they're um, they're fantastic. And it's really about looking at like these core emotions, self-reflection, and how sometimes our kiddos do different things and it kind of steps on some of our 
core emotions that Mm -hmm. we're not so comfortable with and then how do we respond and reflect in that way and well in the beginning we don't reflect we just respond (laughs) so it's like kind of that growing awareness of like oh this thing happened and I did this can I trace back how I got to there Mm -hmm. and what do I want to do differently next time so I think a lot of it you know comes from that and that's why I say like I feel like as a parent I've changed so much from what I believed was parenting and I knew the mechanics of childhood. <laughs> like I said, like that's what I did all of my all my education in, but then actually being in it has been so totally different. Mm-hmm. Using different tools and taking in new information as you need it, I think is pretty important too. Wow. And yeah, we will in the I guess the description of this podcast. Oh wow, we're already at 50 minutes. Wow. Oh, just kidding. Oh, 45. Um <laughs> we can kind of do a little link to like other organizations. Cause I know where does social of, or circle of security yeah. rock Juno, stuff like that. Um, I think in case anyone's interested, um, I guess last question maybe <laughs> is I kind of just wrote a rant on this piece of paper. Um, so a lot of what we've been talking about has revolved around like quote unquote, traditional nuclear family dynamics So what about like single parents? What about incorporating um, extended family into the picture, you know, being culturally responsive? Because I'd imagine, too, there are some families and I'm sure some cultures where like you keep the family in the family, like keep family issues in the family. You don't want this person with PAT coming in and like telling you how to raise your kids. Like, how do you navigate that? Obviously, that's not what PAT is, but it's so easy to see how someone could interpret it that way you know yeah totally what are your thoughts on all of that (laughs) oh all of that in five minutes yeah man let's see (laughs) well i'd say that like the main goal and the main avenue is always like relationship Mm -hmm. it really is like it's all about relationship it's about the relationship between you and your kiddo it's a relationship between you and your home visitor Mm -hmm. it's all of that so it's like we really work a lot from the parallel process you know do unto others as you want others to do unto others Mm -hmm. and so it's like PAT really focuses on the relationship. Like, how can I build a relationship with you that we can be these trusting partners? And it's not so much about, you know, our role is like, say a parent's like, I want to talk about sleep. You know, then our role is, okay, what are you currently doing with sleep? You know, what is your culture belief about sleep? Here's some information about what sleep your baby needs at this age. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do with this? You know, do you like what you're doing? Do you want to change anything? So I think that being really mindful and careful and and listening. That's the big piece, right? Can you listen to each other and figure out like what is important to you and, you know, go from there. I think that's a pretty big piece. Um, And I think that for the most part, it's interesting when we go to hire for parents, teachers, like one of the big things that we look for is just like personal warmth and candor. And Mm -hmm. can you build relationships with people? Because that's such an important piece. If, if you don't feel like you can, talk openly with your, you know, parent educator or whoever it is, like they're not in your support system. So it's like, you know, we, those are the people that we keep within our close circle, right? Like our, even our family members, you're going to have some people that you're going to talk to more than others. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the ones that you feel closest with. So, yeah, I think. And I guess I lied. I have another question. (laughs) (laughs) What are kind of the biggest feelings and you know, issues that you've seen Juno families kind of coping with and like, especially around mental health and parenting and stuff like that? Ooh, I would say loneliness, Mm -hmm. isolation. You know, um, when I moved up here to Juno, I was like footloose, fancy free, (laughs) early 20s. I'm just like, why would anyone ever leave this? This is crazy. I'd see people be like, I'm packing up and I'm going back to Illinois. And I'm like, suckers, I'll never go back. (laughs) Um, and then I had kids and I was like, oh, snap. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, now. now I get it. You know, it's it's nice to be able to say like, hey, I would love to take a shower by myself. Do you think you can come over and watch my kids for a little bit yeah. and not have to like pay somebody to do that? And then I think in Juno, it's just it's just hard. I, it's a lot of people that are isolated from their sort of extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you create sort of your own family unit bubble. But and then I think even sometimes you have family here and well, maybe you want to raise your kids a little bit differently. Than yeah, how you were raised and that's very difficult too then especially because it's such a small town so like absolutely absolutely but i think that's kind of the overarching one 
that they we all need a community like you need to feel like you know a long time ago i was on a a workshop about postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and they were saying like yes if you can have somebody who's like you know trained in postpartum depression that's fantastic but one of the biggest things you can do is just get depressed mothers around other women who are experiencing postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and they can just hear their common narrative and then feel a little less stigmatized Mm -hmm. that like oh this is happening to other people Parenting's the exact same thing. You know, it's like you just need to be in a room with other people who are like, I haven't slept more than two hours yeah, in two like, weeks. Let's and then you're like, oh, together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that sort of like a feeling of belonging. Yeah. And I think that that's a big one for Juno families is just a lack of support and a lack of connection. Wild. Well, especially obviously with the pandemic. Like, oh. you can't, because I know PAT does like family group outings, but like, you can't do that right now. <laughs> Right. It's all on Zoom. It's all on Zoom. We did do a little family pod service, which was pretty fun because oh, we had, um, you know, we've got this whole crop of babies that some mm-hmm. of the developmental like milestones are things like, does your baby respond to strangers? Yeah. And parents are like, oh, gee, I don't know. She's never met one. <laughs> and I'm like, that, she's only been in the house. Right. That is bizarre. For the first eight months of life, your child yeah. has never met somebody who was not in your immediate family. Oh, like, God. that's crazy. Um, so we did start, uh, you know, matching families. It was like a like a oh, match.com. It's like, ooh, you live in the valley with a nine-month-old. You want an in-person visit with, you know, yeah. only one other family. And so we matched them up together for families that were interested. And it's been so cute because then they get to, like, meet another family that's kind of... Yeah, in the same mm-hmm. zone. Yeah. So their babies can see each other and adults could be without, you know, masks and things like that. So, wow. Yeah. Like pod dating. Pod dating. Parent pod dating. What? It's the world that we live in. That's crazy. I don't know. Um. Well, wow, that was wonderful. Ty, do you have any ideas for questions? Do you think I did a good job? I, <laughs> hey, all you listeners out there, I need validation. <laughs> um, so if you want to send me an email saying you're doing a good job, I'd probably cry. <laughs> I also like props off to you that we did this with your cat going ballistic right outside yeah, the door. Sorry doors. if you hear. <laughs> She, she's bad with strangers and she's also bad with masks and like we're wearing masks and Emily has never met Tilly before <laughs> and the door is closed. So she's trying to get under it. Wow. She's a needy little girl. That's my child. Just kidding. <laughs> um, Cool. Well, that was, I, wow. I feel like I'm going to be thinking about this conversation for a very long time in a good way. I was, I love, I love doing this. Wow. Okay. Well, that's all we have for you all today. Uh, Again, if you want to learn anything more about parents as teachers, circles of security, any of that, send me an email and I'll bother Emily (laughs) (laughs) for any information that I don't know. And as always, um, thank you all so much for listening. And we are so happy that you're here. Unstable is hosted by Rachel Iafola, recorded by Ty Shea, and edited by Scott Burton. This podcast is made possible because of the collective vision of the Juno Suicide Prevention Coalition and funding from the Juno Community Foundation. We'd love to hear from you with any comments, thoughts, or suggestions, so send us an email at unstable.pod at gmail.com. <laughs>